Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, and welcome to episode 98 of Wikishuffle. I'm your host, Jack Stewart, and I'm joined as ever by Chris Wallace. Hello. And Phil Sharman. Hello. Before we do our Wikishuffling, we're going to do our little quiz game for our 100th episode. Phil, would you like to talk us through it? It's Chris's turn. He's mm-hmm. selected three articles from Wikipedia. I have. He's going to read out some links to other articles on Wikipedia from those articles. And Jack and I are going to guess what article it is that he's chosen. Whoever wins out of Jack and I will get to choose an article for our 100th bumper length episode that's coming in just a couple of weeks' time. Come on then. I think you'll get this. Fifth series. Breaking Bad. Imagine. The Wire. L-O-V-E Buffy the Vampire Slayer RCA Records County Londonderry Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat Is it John Barrowman? It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a guess, but no Is it Jason Donovan? No Danny Minogue Kylie Minogue Neighbours Big Band um, Cheerios Childline Concert isn't, Is it Niall Horan from One Direction? You're on the right vein, but no Dublin. Nadine Coyle. No. Sony BMG. Westlife. Boyzone. The Sun. Louis Little Walsh. Mitch. Louis Walsh. Come on. Peter uh, Robinson. Oh. Ireland in the Eurovision Song Contest. Harry Hill's TV burp. Dana. MySpace. Oh, it's Jedward. Is it not Jedward? No. Surprised you haven't got this yet. Psycho Music. Simon Cowell. Alexandra Burke. Sunita. No. Hearsay. Sharon Osborne. 28,000. Jorgen Quigg. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Jorgen Quigg. Little face. Do you know Jorgen Quigg? We talked about him on the podcast. Oh, we have. Yeah. yeah. One, of the, one of the episodes is titled after him, in fact. It is. Because we love the Vickers. Mm. Oh, that's, I'm sorry that I didn't get that to yeah. I should have done. Diana Vickers is 25 now. Oh, that means she was very young when we planted up. Also, we were very young. Yeah. So that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Number two. This one, Phil, you might be able to get. I felt like the, the deck is stacked against No, this me is a more in, in your favour than his. So okay. It's, it's evened itself out. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Excel. Confectionery. Okay. Caramac. Gelatin. Oh, now you see I'm out now because. Mm. Beeswax. Wagon oh. wheel. Oreo. Vegetarian. Marmite. Sainsbury's. Tesco. Asda. Haribo. Canada. France. Kinder Surprise. Strawberry. Raspberry. Farm. Angel Delight. Marks and Spencers. Turkish Delight. No. Pig. Percy Pig. Percy Pig. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, last one. Oh, I'm sorry, Phil, but I think I think you're not going to get this. Great, good game, <laughs> good game. <laughs> I mean, you might, you might surprise us all. Okay. Okay. Reg Watson, 
Most popular personality on Australian television Logie Award. Ian Smith. Harold Bishop. Harold Bishop. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Logie. Is it a Logie? Yeah. The Australian Soap Awards. Oh. Well, maybe not soap, maybe just TV. That was pretty good. You got it in two. So the good news is that I will be choosing three articles for our 100th, 100th episode. You have both got one each. Mm-hmm. And we've got one more game to play, so which is between me and Chris. Win, you could win another one. I so could. You, so I'm definitely only choosing one article. Fine. Aww. I'll choose a good one. And then I'll choose something disgusting. <laughs> so yeah, I might get four, or Chris could get two. We'll see what happens. Okay, I know what my article's going to be. What is it? No, I'm not telling you now. Oh, I can't wait that long. We'll do some wiki shuffling now. Chris, what's that? A wiki shuffle is where we press the random article button on Wikipedia and we talk about whatever it throws up. Right, you idiot millennials are probably not going to have any first-hand memories of this particular subject. So I'll I'll step in and and let you know from a Gen Xer's point of view some first-hand primary evidence on this one. The Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh, I know these. These are like dolls with weird faces. Yeah, that's all I know of. Big fat faces. It's as much as you need to know. There was a cartoon, right? Was there a cartoon? Uh, Yeah, I think they did do a cash-in cartoon. It was in the 80s. They did cash-in cartoons for everything. Cabbage Patch Kids are a line of soft, sculptured dolls created by Xavier Roberts and registered in the United States Copyright Office in 1978. So they were big in the 80s. They were a very 80s thing, definitely. As a 21-year-old art student, Xavier utilised the quilting skills he learnt from his mother and the historic technique of needle moulding to develop his own line of fabric sculptures. He called these hand-stitched, one-of-a-kind soft fabric sculptures the Little People. His Little People were not offered for sale but were adopted, each with their own individual name and birth certificates. That says to me, bit of a weird man. Is that not weird? Mm. It's a strangely craftsy thing to do Mm. but it feels very 70s in that regard there was a real throwback to doing needle craft and just craftsy bits in the Mm. 70s that that fits do you think our friend keith can do can make a cabbage patch kid he probably could i think he could turn his hands to most things Hmm. he's a capable man whether he'd choose to is a different question entirely maybe he should look into it let us know Keith if you've got any plans to make any cabbage patch dolls I'm guessing you haven't he lives on a boat he hasn't got room for that kind of thing well if he lives on a boat maybe he gets lonely the cure for loneliness is not to build yourself companionship out of quilting that that, that suggests problems okay. <laughs> says the man who has once tried exactly that and failed <laughs> yeah take it from first hand experience <laughs> it's not the solution you're looking for The name change to Cabbage Patch Kids was made in 1982 when Xavier's company, Original Appalachian Artworks, began to license a smaller version of the handmade creations to a toy manufacturer named Coleco. An abbreviated version of the Discovery legend was reproduced on every Cabbage Patch Kids product from 1983 onwards. So yeah, that was the thing. They all had like a little birth certificate because the idea was that these little 
alien dolls were born in a cabbage patch and you adopted them and they had a little birth certificate and so you were caring for them. It was very much a, a sort of maternal mothering oh. baby substitute thing for I, little girls. It was a bit creepy. I didn't realise that, that they came from cabbage patches. Yeah, well, that they, is, they were grown. The, this is a pre-existing legend, I think, that babies, similar to the stork legend of, of storks delivering babies, might have been connected. It might be that storks took the babies to the cabbage patches and that's where you'd find your babies um, rather than letting Surely children... all that, that stuff's just confusing to children. It's probably better than having them ask too many tricky gynecological questions. Just deal with I mean, it. Deal none, with of us, none of us have got kids, but I'd imagine that a big part of parenting is, is getting those kids to shut up. Mm. And, and what you don't want to do is prompt more questions in them. So if you can just wrap the story up in a nice little bow. Yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's not a little bow. It's a complicated law involving <laughs> genetic modification. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> but better than them wanting to take a look at your woo-woo to see where a mm. baby comes out. That's true. I've always found them a little bit creepy. I've really got. I thought no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, cabbage patch dolls. That's all I've really got to say on the matter. I just find them a bit weird looking and I creepy. Think, I, I think my sister has one. You've got a sister, a young sister, haven't you? Yeah. Did she have one? No, because we were like, you. Why are you from the eighties? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, why are you ten years older than the rest of us? I don't know. Just... I'm sure my sister had something. Or maybe she just had a chubby doll. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I've got my one eye on the football here. It's Leicester versus Chelsea. Score? Uh, well, it's nil nil, but it's forty. It's forty five seconds in. I just want to make a prediction while we're doing the podcast, so we can refer back to it later in the podcast and see what happened. I'm going to predict that Leicester are going to get absolutely battered here today. Oh really? Yeah, I just got a feeling. Oh dear. Let's hope I'm wrong. But check in later to find out. We'll be able to tell from the tone of your voice. I'm guessing that whenever a goal goes in, you're not going to keep quiet about it. I'll probably tell you. Mm. I'm not really taking my podcasting duties quite as seriously as I, I normally do. All of the Leicester players just did a, like, they've got black armbands on and they just took a photograph to commemorate the death of the King of Thailand. Because the owners are Thai. Oh, They're right, friends yeah. with the royal family, actually. Oh, that makes sense. So all the Leicester players who are no doubt devastated by the passing mm. of the King of Thailand. I thought you were going to say the death of Hilda Ogden, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> makes no, that's, that's uh, the Manchester teams that are playing later today. They'll be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know when we talk about derailing the podcast? I feel like Jack is hijacking the podcast. And just taking it on a completely different journey in the for, opposite direction. For, for football talks, it's fine. It, it means that we appeal to a broader spectrum um, of, look, I'm, of folk. I'm a football fan. I don't get much football chat with you two. Why are you bringing it to us? Because I need to. You need to get it out sometimes. It's just like, oh, you can't contain my laddishness. I need to mm, bust out and just uh, just show the world that I'm an alpha. alpha. I'm alpha as fuck. <laughs> All right, cabbage patch dolls then. Yeah, let's let's spend our <laughs> let's spend our Saturday let's spend our Saturday talking about cabbage patch dolls, shall we? Much like, like normal men in their twenties <laughs> and thirties. The characters appeared in many other cabbage patch merchandising products, ranging from animated cartoons to board games. Xavier Roberts was a ten-year-old boy who discovered the cabbage patch kids by following a bunny bee behind a waterfall into a magical cabbage patch, where he found the cabbage patch babies being born. To help them find good homes, he built Babyland General in Cleveland, Georgia, where the Cabbage Patch Kids could live and play until they were adopted. You're saying to me that this is less complicated than describing sexual intercourse. 
Because this seems more... <laughs> you might be right. ...tricky. I'm not sure that a 10-year-old boy should be responsible for their... No. ...for the upbringing of multiple children. It's also suggesting that a 10-year-old boy founded an entire hospital. Ba- baby Land Baby-land. General, was it? <laughs> Babyland General, yeah. Bunny bees are bee-like creatures with rabbit ears that they use as wings. They pollinate cabbages with their magic crystals to make cabbage patch babies. They pollinate cabbages with their magic crystals. Uh-huh. Again... Just talk about sex, it's just easier. <laughs> Probably is, yeah. Colonel Casey is a large stork who oversees Babyland's General Hospital. He's the narrator of the Cabbage Patch Kids story. This sounds like a, a story I'd make. <laughs> the dolls attracted the attention of toy manufacturer Coleco. Do you think I'm pronouncing that right? Coleco? I'm going to stick with Coleco. The dolls attracted the attention of toy manufacturer Coleco, which acquired a license from original Appalachian Artworks and began mass production in 1982. The Coleco Cabbage Patch Kids had large, round vinyl heads, originally a different hard plastic, (laughs) and soft fabric bodies, and were produced from 1982 to 1989, many at a factory in Amsterdam, New York. The first two years' production was from the Far East, with nine head variations produced and computer-matched with bodies to ensure each doll was different. Oh, so they were all different from each other. Oh, well, all of them. They were all unique. It seems Randomly that way. Yeah, I didn't know that that was a, a thing. So, there well, was so nine... every, every doll that was made was different. Is that why they were so expensive? They were. I remember them being expensive. Yeah. That was definitely a thing. Well, I quite like that. That's good. Cheap. They were classy. I remember there being a there were a big rush at Christmas time for them. It's one of those yeah. toys that so like, made people lose their shit. One nil to Chelsea. What'd they say? Oh, gonna get battered. Oh, that's just poor. That's really poor. What do you think about that goal? That's poor. Diego Costa as well. I don't have him on my fantasy team. So this is a disaster in many different ways. <sighs> Hasbro took over the rights to produce Cabbage Patch dolls in 1988 as Coleco went bankrupt and continued to make the dolls with various gimmicks, including dolls that played kazoos. Why? Some of the more popular doll lines to come under the Cabbage Patch Kids name included Birthday Kids, Splash and Tan Kids. Oh my goodness. What does that mean? Well, I'm guessing, and there's no link through to verify this, but I'm guessing what happened was you got them wet and their skin went darker as if they'd got a suntan. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's what happened there. No, don't encourage, don't encourage babies to sunburn. <laughs> that's not good advice. Hasbro gradually began making the dolls for younger children, which led to smaller and smaller dolls. Although Cabbage Patch dolls were still best-selling toys, Hasbro never really revitalised the Cabbage Patch market. In 1994, Mattel took over the Cabbage Patch brand. The first Mattel babies and kids hit the stores in 1995. The Mattel Cabbage Patch dolls are not limited to cloth bodies and included dolls made from vinyl, which produced a more durable play doll. The Mattel dolls are mostly sized 14 inches or smaller, and most variants were individualised with a gimmick to enhance their collectability. For example, some dolls played on water toys, swam, ate food, or brushed their teeth. Citation needed, but I'm going to take their word for it. I can't see why anybody would lie about that. An extension to the line was the Talking Cabbage Patch Kid, introduced by Coleco, equipped with a voice chip, touch sensors, a microphone, short-range 49MHz AM transmitter and receiver for communicating with other such dolls. Alright, it's all gone a bit scary now. It's gone a bit terrifying. 
Touch sensors in the head, it, touch sensors in the hands enabled the toy to detect when and how it was being played with in response to its vocalizations. For example, the doll might say, hold my hand, and Earth. give an appropriate speech response when the touch sensor in either hand detected pressure. It also had a movement detector to show the positioning of the doll and whether it was sensed to be on its belly, back, or even upside down. Let me see if I can find mm. what these sounded like, because... I imagine it's scary. Can you do an impression of what you think they will sound like? Hold my hand. Oh, that is scary. <laughs> the higher, higher pitch. Hold my hand. I, I love you. That exactly. Hold my hand. <laughs> Some guy selling one. These are freaky looking things. Look at this. Oh, it's terrifying. Big hug. Oh, his mouth moves. Uh, I'm very ticklish. Yeah. Oh, whoa, that is an archetypal scary child giggle, that is. I'm very ticklish tonight. A special plastic drinking cup containing a hidden magnet, which could be identified with the aid of a small reed relay built into the head of the toy above the mouth to signify when it should be seen to be drinking. A more remarkable effect occurred when one doll detected the presence of another through its transmitter. The dolls were programmed to signal their awareness of each other with a short phrase, for example, I think there's someone else to play with here. Oh my god, that's terrifying. (laughs) And then to initiate simple conversations between the dolls themselves with enough randomness to sound somewhat natural and 100% terrifying. <laughs> Imagine if you're a child and it says that and there's no other Cabbage Patch dolls around. That would do hell for my worry bubbles. Uh, understandably, just the dead <laughs> of night. The dead there's of night at the end here. of your bed. There's someone here to play with me. <laughs> Sat bolt upright. <laughs> Maybe its eyes move around a bit. (laughs) Terrifying. On the subject... Clowns. Nope. Oh, I want to talk about the clowns. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's been talking about the clowns, so go on. Mine's very quick. Go on. How good is the new Westworld series? Haven't seen it. Oh, Oh, it's so good. I will. I will. I Uh, think I'm going to save it for the plane when I'm on my big plane journey. So good. It's really good. I watched the film. The 70s film. So it's not very good, No, is it's it? terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Because horror films in the 70s weren't up to much, were they? Have no. you watched Don't Look Now yet? No, not yet. No, <sighs> don't bother. I decided not to. Do you want to talk about clowns? I just wanted to mention them because because this episode's coming out in between 10 days and two weeks. And because you're watching Chelsea with that fellow with the hair. Uh, David Louise, yeah. I wonder if it will have all blown over by then, or I wonder if they will have killed people. Or... I wonder if someone will have killed a clown. That's going to happen, isn't it? It's someone's going to kill a clown and then it'll clown. stop. I don't like the fact that this is being this is being touted as something that started in America and has come over here. It didn't. It started in Northampton. Yeah. We did this first. Yeah. We invented it ages this. ago, like a year ago, and it slowly boiled up. And now, because it was, you it was had, the Northampton clown. Yeah. yeah, he was the first one, the first yeah. clown. We we got the first weird guy dressing up as a clown and standing around in dark yeah. places at night. We so, did it. You had a sighting the other day, is that correct? No, I just made that up. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Why did you lie? Because oh. I thought it would be fun for Facebook, and it was. You got a lot of reaction. You got some reaction out of me. I assumed you were telling the truth. Yeah, too. I thought I made it clear. I th- no, I think I told other people. Yeah. Oh, good. That's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to spread a little rumour 
like you know when Maxine Carr lived in every town in the UK <laughs> <laughs> and everyone in, the, in each town was completely convinced that Maxine Carr was living there and everyone was like oh yeah she's working at Morrison she's got a wig right okay sure she's working at Morrison oh, people are just awful you know what I mean? I wanted to do that. I wanted to, I wanted to give Corby its own clown, and in a way, I did. <laughs> and do and do. Well, you haven't really said anything about clowns. You wanted to talk about them, and then haven't said anything. Oh no! I just wanted a general, like, just a, an acknowledgement. Because clowns. when I listen to this back in ten days, I can think, oh, remember the whole clown thing? That was funny. Yeah. How how very twenty sixteen of me. Uh huh. In much the same way as everybody else thinks about Pokemon Go, except you. <laughs> Well, the thing is, though, with Pokemon Go, is that I'm just a committed fella and I need to get all of them. And I'm nearly there. Nine to go. One line of Cabbage Patch dolls, the Cabbage Patch Snack Time Kids, was designed to eat plastic snacks. The mechanism enabling this was a pair of one-way smooth metal rollers behind plastic lips. Terrifying. Mm. The snacks would exit the doll's back and magically appear in the backpack as poop. (laughs) Right, it wasn't as poop, I made that up. The mechanism could be deactivated by releasing the backpack. They were extremely popular during Christmas 1996. 96? 96? Yes, yeah, so Matt still would have had one then. Oh, maybe. I, I just don't remember them from my childhood whatsoever. Yeah. The line was voluntarily withdrawn from the market following an agreement between Mattel and the Consumer Product Safety Commission in January 1997, following several incidents where children got their fingers or hair stuck in the doll's mouths, leading to safety warnings from Connecticut's Consumer Protection Commissioner. One Cabbage Patch Kids urban legend was that the dolls were designed to get people accustomed to the appearance of mutants following a thermonuclear war. (laughs) That's not how it works. Okay. That's incorrect. They Um, do look like mutants. Yeah, they do. Makes sense. In 2008, all US presidential and vice presidential candidates had their own Cabbage Patch Kids. Barack Obama was depicted with a blue suit. John McCain was depicted in a suit with grey hair. Joe Biden was also depicted in a suit with his hair slicked up. Sarah Palin was depicted in a trademark suit and skirt with high-heeled pumps. Also, Palin's signature hair and eyeglasses were featured. I kind of want a Sarah Palin Cabbage Patch doll. How to do terrifying what would that be? Just to be repulsed by... <laughs> just just sit in the corner and remember Sarah Palin. I can't... This is how good Tina Fey is. I can't disin- like separate the two. Nope. When she does her impression, I, if, you, if you showed me and said which one's which, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Same. Shut up. What's the score? One nil still. Robert oh. Hoof just fucking knocked Eden Hazard the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, poor it, poor Eden Hazard. Um, Eden's a good name for a boy, isn't it? Maybe I'd call my son Eden, but now it looks like I was named with the Eden Hazard, so that, I don't want to do well, that. Or just the Garden of. But then everyone, whenever a woman sees his pubes, she'll be like, oh, the Garden of Eden. <laughs> and he'll be like, yeah, got it. You know what I mean? It'd be annoying. No. I don't know. That'll be fine. Yeah. It would be fine, like, wouldn't it? Because yeah, that means yeah. that a woman is looking at your pubes. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice, nice icebreaker. Fine, yeah. yeah. Garden of Eden, you bet. Yeah. Right, Sideshow Bob's got a free kick. I have a taste of my He's probably going to score fruit. it. But yeah, it writes itself. Okay, Chris. Yeah. We've got another film. And you know what happens whenever we get a film? Yep. You are tasked with watching that film and providing Ooh. us with a review next week. Okay, What's I can do that. Watch? What's he got to watch? You have got to watch... 
I'm with Lucy. Is this Matty one? I don't think so. Looks terrible. <laughs> I, it looks absolutely horrific. I'm with Lucy is a 2002 romantic comedy directed by John Sherman, starring Monica Potter in the title role. I don't know any other people. With Henry Thomas, David Boreanaz, oh, he's, Angel. Um, yeah, but his career has not been. He's a, not had a very good career at <laughs> no. all. I can't imagine this did him much much good. Anthony Lapaglia, I know that name as well, and I can't place it. Gail Garcia Bernal. Oh. He's Love done, that guy. Yeah, he's done good stuff. Yeah, he's brilliant. Hasn't he? I can't think what, He's though. done a lot of with um, Pedro Almodovar in Spain. Yeah. And John Hanna. Everybody's oh, everyone loves favorite. John Hanna. That's a decent cast. Ish. What David Boreanaz, maybe What do you think, do you think I'm With Lucy is about? Let's take a guess. Gail Garcia, whatever his name is, he was in um, No as well. I think he was in, maybe he was in The Science of Sleep as well. Anyway, sorry, Chris. What do you think it's about? I'm with Lucy. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's about... I I described the cover of the DVD. So Lucy is a blonde lady in a denim jacket and she's looking upwards, sort of pondering with her fingers like that on her face and like, ooh, like she's deciding something. Yeah. And behind her are all these men sort of posing. Just like, like gap models. Okay, so is it, is it like a, is it like, there's something about Mary... Very similar. Where, yeah, where there's lots of suitors mm-hmm. and she's deciding and she which has to, work to out do. Which one she likes. Yeah, that sounds great. It sounds horrible. The tagline is, five handsome bachelors, one lucky woman. Ah, uh, uh, gotta choose between all these hunks of white meat. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all white. That's but Mexican. Oh, well, that doesn't <laughs> count white, isn't it? Bit white. It's a bit white. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out about the plot. Let's find out about the plot. I don't want to worry you about spoilers, though, because you have got to watch this. I think I'll be fine. All right. Lucy is a journalist who is dumped by her perfect, inverted commas, boyfriend, and then goes on a series of dates with five different men. Doug, an entomologist. Gabrielle, a playwright. Bobby, a baseball player. Barry, a computer store owner. And Luke, a doctor. Go wow. for Barry. <laughs> all this, all Barry. Of the, Barry. Can, fact, without even seeing this, I can imagine what each of those stereotypes is. This isn't a film that needs to be made. <laughs> no. Not in any way, shape or form. She acts differently around each of the men. She is drunk on her date with Doug. She uncharacteristically jumps into bed with Gabrielle. She is at first irritated with, but then moved by ex-baseball star Bobby. Her date with Barry gets off to a rough start, but then while on their date they run into her parents and end up having dinner with them. And her date with Luke is sidetracked when they see a colleague of Luke's who is with his daughter Eve, who appears to have her own eye on Luke. The daughter. Oh right, okay. The daughter doesn't necessarily mean that the daughter's like five, does it? No. She can be an old person. And we're talking about a Hollywood film here, so all of these men are going to be at least 15 years older than she is, because that's point. how it works. Yeah. She doesn't connect with Doug, but she does get him to come out of his shell by the end of the date. Which one's Doug? Doug is the entomologist. Okay. Luke is David Boreanis. Luke, um, oh, Phil, literally no one cares. <laughs> like, it's fine. I know you might want to know, but it doesn't matter. None of this matters. None, none of this watch, matters. None of it matters. None of anything that we do here matters. You get, are we watching your football, which also which, doesn't matter? No, it does matter. It doesn't matter. No, of course, of course it matters. It doesn't matter. She doesn't connect oh, with Doug. Oh, it's 2-0. Fuck. 
Costa again. That oh no, it wasn't. It was Hazard. Still, I'm not happy with how this is going. But I said it. Did I say it? You said it. She doesn't connect with Doug, John Hannah, but she does get him to come out of his shell by the end of the date. She takes Bobby, Anthony Lapaglia to several places that put him completely out of his element and then he takes her to a baseball card show where she discovers a different side of him. Her date with Gabrielle, who is Gail Garcia Bernal, essentially becomes a one-night stand when she realises he isn't what she wants in life. She becomes serious with Luke, but an incident at a restaurant in which he is rude to one of the waiters makes her realise that she that he isn't the one she wants. Barry surprises her several times throughout the movie with touching and thoughtful gestures, which of course win her over in the end. So Barry, played by Henry Thomas, overall is the winner. Oh, uh, what? Assuming that Lucy is somebody who deserves any sort of victory or who anybody would actually want to be with and you know yeah it's judgmental but that denim jacket she's wearing is fucking horrible so I'm not sure that I'd want to be with Lucy no this is Lucy Lucy's a New Yorker beautiful allergic but single and like all singles she's looking for the perfect match sexually I'm unsatisfied obviously it's not a sure thing Lucy will get married but first she has to get out there and date Every date that you go on is part of your cosmic dating process. As you'll see, Lucy gets married at the end of the story. But to whom? I think we should get married. Excuse me? Candidate number one, Doug, a shy and reserved entomologist. Why don't you just ask me my bra size? Your bra size? Number two, Gabriel, a writer with a sensitive touch. I liked it when you were sucking my fingers. I don't kiss. Number three, Bobby, a former baseball player. Very tactile. It's a reflex? Yeah, it's like a muscle thing. I just don't kiss on a first date. And number four, Barry, a computer analyst. Real clean cut. Horrible. And number five, Luke, a physical therapist. Very athletic. I think you serve great, Luke. Yeah, she thinks I serve great. Yeah, why don't you marry her? Stay in the game, Lucy. Who will be the lucky guy? I'm with Lucy. Women aren't that way about men. All we look for is a big... Lisa Nesselson of Variety wrote, Performances are sharper than the material in I'm With Lucy, a moderately diverting comedy. Chris, are you um, going to watch this then? Yeah, sure. I mean, you've just had it spoiled, but... I don't think it matters with this film. Mm, I think it'll do a good job of spoiling itself, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> Right, millennials, you're up. Stop calling us millennials. Well, stop being so millennial in your attitudes and outlooks then. Are we? I don't know, not particularly. Yeah, shut But it's the job of us old people to scoff and, and diminish the relevancy and worth of you young people. Mm. It's just, just our role. Um, don't miss you. What? Don't miss you. Which was a Ricky Lee Coulter song from 2009. And one that I've never heard of. I've never heard of this person. Ricky Lee Coulter. Is this American country and western? Sounds it, doesn't it? No. Don't Miss You is a song performed by Australian singer-songwriter Ricky Lee Coulter. Co-written by Coulter, Nicky Gregoff and Paul Weinbar. The song was initially released as the lead single from, from her unreleased third studio album, Hear No, See No, Speak No. 
that's that's not good. <laughs> it was released both physically and digitally on the thirty first of July two thousand and nine. So we've got nothing. I've got nothing. It? I have no idea. About no, there's anything. some background and there's some other stuff. There's a picture of the, the cover here. See, I mean, it, it doesn't look... It looks as though it's had a bit of money spent on it. So that's why... Well, not a lot of money, but it looks like a professional release. It doesn't look like some self-released somebody from there. No? Let's, let's listen to a tiny little snippet. Got some bonds on it. Sounds very 2009. Sounds Christmassy. Ooh. It sounds like something I'd like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a self release. This is some money spent on it. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Chris make a discovery of his new favourite band. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Ooh. I quite like this. Have you ever seen better teeth? It's brilliant, isn't it? Shiny. Oh, that auto-tune. Uh-huh. Oh. Right, that's enough. Right. Let's never that. Let's um, never listen to that again. Yeah. You know what? I was I was with it until that bit in the until middle. Until the auto tune. It was just 2009. That was that was it, wasn't it? Don't miss you is a breakup anthem that Coulter says expresses her feelings about her ex-husband Jamie Babington. She doesn't miss him. Apparently not. It is the first song Coulter wrote in New York. She explained, well, you've got to put yourself in my position where I was in a relationship for seven years, the only relationship I'd ever known, and obviously you don't write a song with lyrics like that if everything was happy as. It was very painful and humiliating going through the breakup in front of the whole country. (laughs) (laughs) For me, that song is not about being bitter or anything. That song is about representing me turning the corner and finding my feet again. While Coulter's previous singles have been infused with the distinctly R&B flavour, Don't Miss You incorporates a blend of pop, rock and dance. She explained it's a sound that just naturally developed while I was overseas. The stuff I was writing really (laughs) lends itself. I found this really great new sound, yeah. Yeah, she did invent that. I'm calling it generic pop with some auto-tune. <laughs> the stuff I was writing really lent itself to this fusion of pop and rock and electro, and I think it suits my voice, which is why I tried to use as little of my actual <laughs> voice as possible on the song. Don't Miss You was initially released as the first single from Coulter's then-upcoming third studio album, originally titled Hear No, See No, Speak No. Uh, don't... Don't... It's rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> However, after Don't Miss You and its follow-up single, the album's title track, both struggled on the charts, she told her record label Shock Records to cancel the album's release. Yeah, I'm sure it went that way around. In a 2011 interview with the Herald Sun, Coulter revealed that she did not want to release Don't Miss You as a single, but the decision was out of her hands, as Shock Records and her management at the time had already started picking the singles for the album. In a 2014 interview with Mustache Magazine... (laughs) How's this real? I don't know. Coulter was asked if she regretted any songs, to which she replied, Don't miss you. That song was a joke. I wrote it as a joke and I never wanted it to see the light of day. It's awful. But my old record label and ex-manager strong-armed me into releasing it and I just wish it never existed. Oh, that's really sad. Because a lot of that, I think, is lies. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it might all be bullshit of her just retrospectively saying she didn't like But at the same time, you can imagine record companies mm. sort of overhyping a thing and if it doesn't feel right. I mean, she was probably much more proud of her previous single before that, which was just entitled Wiggle It. That was much more sort of <laughs> truer to her artistic vision. Oh, you're such an arsehole, aren't you? Let's do an outro. What's the score? It's 2-0 and it's halftime. So on this podcast, you're never going to find out. So you can either look it up or you can remember it with your brains or you can just not care. Probably the third option mm-hmm. for most people, I should think. Yeah, maybe. Well, we've got two episodes left until we've... No, we've got one episode left until we've hit our, hit our 100. I know. So the next episode is 99. Isn't that? And we'll be back next week for more japes. And you all right, Chris? And gaiety and a film yeah. review. Yeah, no, no good. It's just we we always do this at the end where it's like you just burn out. We're just a little bit knackered. Yeah, yeah. Just get some just at the burning point. Yeah, we don't know when it comes now. It's hard work doing this. Mm. You wouldn't think it. God, you wouldn't to think it. it no, assume, <laughs> it's quite exhausting, isn't it? Yeah, you'd assume that there's nothing going on here. But no, we work hard. We do. Uh. We work hard for our money. <laughs> <laughs> right, next week, episode ninety nine. See you then. Bye. flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.